1: 10am
2: good morning everyone welcome to fbc radio live it's friday we're wrapping up the week here Getting ready for the NFL draft, which will be uh, in full swing by this point next week cause, because round one comes Thursday, uh, round two, three is Saturday or Friday, excuse me, and then Saturday is four, five, six, and seven. Um, of course, uh, that's 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 when you know you're an NFL fan because if you're if you're waking up on Saturday, John, and you're still mm-hmm. excited for the NFL draft, then. You, you you know you know that's that's what you you were born for was was the NFL because four five six and seven I mean that that's that takes a lot of patience to get through Saturday.
3: Oh, absolutely! But I know a lot of people that that's their favorite day because they really delve into this thing, mm-hmm. and oftentimes that's where your roster can really be built. I oh, mean for sure. some fr- Rounders are missed and. We know the greatest football player ever was drafted in the sixth round, pick 199. So you certainly can find excellent football players in those four rounds. And actually, you know, probably a 30 year roster comes from those four rounds. So, yeah, it's always exciting to see the draft. This is kind of a weird draft because you don't have the high level quarterbacks. And they're talking about that, you know, the eighth player and the 30th player aren't that far apart. So it should be interesting to see how these teams
2: make out. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, honestly, and we're going to jump into it here in just a second. Um, it, 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 to me it's it's the veterans that are going to steal the show during draft weekend because i i got a mm-hmm. feeling that we're going to see uh, uh several trades excuse me maybe not to the level that we've seen them already because this offseason has been uh quite a quite a spectacle when it comes to veterans changing teams. I mean, we've seen several wide receivers, several quarterbacks. Um, so that part isn't going to be necessarily surprising. However, I do think there there are a few situations that, that seem to be coming to a head uh, now. And with just, you know, six days before the draft, you, you tend to think that one of these, at least one of these situations is going to resolve itself uh, by then. And then, of course, that's, of course, the two quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, both of which don't seem to have many suitors for two for two different reasons. Um, I, I think people are, are turned off by Baker for things outside of football, and then you get to the football issues. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is, I think, there's a very clear defined ceiling for him, but he's also injured, and and that's the issue. Okay. How are we going to commit assets or give assets to the 49ers for a guy that's going to cost you $25 million next year? And you don't even know if he's going to be ready to throw the ball because he had surgery on his shoulder. So there, there are issues there. And then, of course, of course, John, is Debo Samuel, who has uh, reportedly officially requested a trade. So uh, to me, uh, the NFL draft, I think much of the intrigue, much of the discussion is ultimately going to land on some of the veterans that might get moved this weekend. Or next weekend?
3: Yeah, yeah. you look at Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, McLaren in Washington, and AJ Brown in Tennessee. They've all kind of put it out there that they'd like to be moved or at least signed to a big contract extension. They're all in their fourth year, and none of them were first round picks. So, you know, after next year, they can get into the free agency pool. So, I would think that any of those trades would happen before the draft because if you trade Debo Samuel and you're the San Francisco 49ers, the draft capital you get back, you want to use it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You don't want to wait till next year to have to use it. So I would think that if something happens with any of those four wide receivers, it probably happens before Thursday, which is intriguing to see. Uh, Again, we've already seen Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill already traded to Mm -hmm. maybe the two best receivers in football, and these four young guys are all outstanding in their own right. We'll see where they end up if they are, in fact, moved by Thursday.
2: Yeah, and, and, and that's really the thing. I mean, it, 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 we're, we're talking about crunch time right now because, you know, if, if you're going to make a trade, especially if you're the 49ers and you feel like maybe your back's up against the wall because, one, they only have about a million and a half in cap space uh, available. Mm-hmm. And, again, with no really clear solution to the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, that, that could help. I mean, that's $25 million if you get rid of that. But that's the best-case scenario. And I, I, at this point, I'm going to find it very unlikely that a team is going to take on Jimmy Garoppolo and his entire contract. So you're, you're talking about you, you're going to have to eat some just to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, now you got to figure out how to make Debo Samuel happy. And, you know, if you listen to some of the other reports out there, well, it's not necessarily about money. Yes, he wants to be paid twenty five plus million a year, and I don't blame him. Again, I said this on on Monday or Tuesday, whenever we were on last. I believe it was Tuesday. Um, I'm I'm all for every player in the NFL getting every single dollar that they want. If they want to get more money, by all means, go for it. I mean, now they have to deal with the repercussions, or, or you know, for every choice, you know, it, it's cause and effect. You know, for, for every uh, reaction, there is an opposite, uh, you know, for every action, there's an opposite reaction. And that's what's going to happen here. So, Debo Samuel, you know, if you if you want that money, if you want to get traded and you're willing to sit out, by all means, I support you 100% because I think every single NFL player deserves to get every single dollar they think they are deserved in this league, in their time in this league. Um, but, but I would caution and say it doesn't always work out that way. Look at Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I'm sure he's cost himself a lot of money. Now, there's a little bit of a difference. Um, You're talking about a running back, a position that is, you know, overnight you can lose what you had as a running back. We've seen it all too often, and it's just the nature of the position. You get beat up. Um, I I was never as big on Le'Veon Bell as others were. Um, I always – I thought his running style was good against – dumb teams because Mm -hmm. they would react and and go after him. And then he'd open the spot. It never worked against the Patriots. I mean, look at any game that he played against the Patriots and, you know, he danced behind the line and the Patriots linebackers would just stand up and be like, all right. (laughs) Okay. We, we we have gap integrity right now. Okay. There's no way you're getting around us and dancing around us. So to me, I was like, okay, you know, great, great running back for Pittsburgh really, you know, uh, capitalized on, on facing, in, in uh, I guess a uh, uh, lack of patience defense. I mean, if you're just patient with Le'Veon Bell, generally for the most part, you can contain him. But that's besides the okay. point. He could go the Le'Veon Bell route, skip the season, and then end up losing money in the end. I don't think that's going to happen. One, um, he's younger. Two, this position is obviously far more uh, has a longer shelf life, and and I, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden just drop off. Uh, part of the reason too is, according to other reports, is he doesn't necessarily want to be a running back, and I don't blame him. I mean, we just talked about Le'Veon. You know, you're cutting your career maybe in third if you're if you're handling. I mean, he carried the ball 59 times last season, John. Um, that's that's a you know that's like a third third string running back type thing. You know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. uh, that that's a decent amount of carries for a guy who also had 1,400 yards receiving. So if I'm Debo Samuel and you want more money, you want to be a wide receiver, then it doesn't look like San Francisco is the place to be. So you know, for him. That's why the trade request happened. I just caution him to make sure that, you know, again, don't don't sacrifice years on your career. You just do the right, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're well mm-hmm. within your right to go out and get that money. Just, you know, it's, it's a gamble. It's always going to be a gamble.
3: In that sport especially, and I'd say the same thing to, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, maybe if you can get 85 or 90% of what you want, get it now because if there's an injury a year from now, that same offer is not going to be on the table and you're going to lose a lot of money down the road. It's a contact, it's a collision sport. And the Bell-Samuel comparison is pretty good because Le'Veon Bell was a running back who was also a very good wide receiver. And yeah. Evo Samuel's a really good receiver who's also a really good runner. So they give you a lot of versatility and, and are really good chess pieces that defenses have to deal with. But right, I mean, if he's carrying the ball nearly 60 times, that's almost four carries per game. That's a fair amount. And then to go along with You know his ability to run after catch, and he's a physical player. I mean, this is not a guy who you know catches Mm -hmm. the ball and dances out of bounds. There's a lot of yards after catch. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Heinz Ward. You know, kind of a really physical wide receiver. So yeah, maybe his career is not going to be quite as long as some of the other wide receivers who don't get into those situations. But yeah, it I think the teams now are are apt to just say, okay, we can't afford this guy. Let's trade him right now. Mm -hmm. Let's get the draft capital that we can use this weekend. Rather than, you know, in June decide, well, now we're gonna move him and then that draft capital doesn't hit you until next year. You wanna use it as much as you can now to draft another wide receiver because there's generally plenty of really good wide receivers available, you know, in rounds two, three, four,
2: whenever. Mm -hmm. And and look, I mean, when when you're you know, coming from Debo's perspective, he has one year left on his rookie deal. Like if Mm -hmm. if you're if you're him and you're watching these big contracts get hand out to handed out to wide receivers and you're thinking well, none of those wide receivers are taking the beating that he is on a day-to-day basis, and at any given moment, an injury could derail that. So, again, Debo, hold out, do whatever you can to get that contract because I think he, he deserves it. And, like I said, I think mm-hmm. every player deserves whatever money they think they're valued at, so... um
1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Like I said, I, I will always... Well I'll, Let's put it this way. I'll, 99.9% of the time, I'm going to side with the player when it comes to money dispute. That, that doesn't mean a uh, valuation. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I, this is just in in terms of the, the the player's right to renegotiate and demand more money. Like, I, I am 100% behind that. Now, again, that player may ask for too much money, and I can understand from the, from an owner's perspective, but, you know, w- when it comes to wanting to get paid, I, I will never, never shy away from that. So, um, real quick, we're, we're going to shift focus a little bit, because I, I, I got a... I, I know this is such a small segment of his fan base, but... Your guys, your guy and his fans are, I, I've seen this all too often, John, and I think you might have seen this clip too, but uh, someone was, was showing a clip from 2018 where LeBron James, uh, you know, they beat the Celtics in, in seven games with Cleveland. And the the tweet was essentially, and, and look, I, no one's denied, like we're going to talk about KD here in a minute and how poorly he's played. Um, you know, uh, but I don't think anyone's sitting there denying that. But it it's, it's, it's very odd to me, John, that, that people are, are, are taking a clip from 2018 and claiming that <laughs> LeBron beat this team by himself, meaning this current Celtics team. And I'm sitting here scratching my head like, come on, guys, like you're LeBron James fans. You don't need to be this desperate to try to prop him up. Like I, I understand, like you're gonna you're gonna jump on KD not playing well, and I get it. That's fine. I mean, again, <laughs> if you want to knock KD, knock KD. He deserves it. I mean, he was what four for two hundred and twenty-seven the first two games. I don't even know something close. I mean, it's it, the percentage is low. He's shooting what thirty percent from the field right now. That's, Thirty-two.
3: That's, he's 13, 13 of forty-one from yeah. the floor, and he has and he has twelve turnovers. Yeah, he has almost ex- as many turnovers exactly. as the steel goals made in the first two games. And, this, and and give credit to the Celtics oh, so for how they played. Absolutely.
2: Well, and it and, and, and look, up, yeah. and, and and I absolutely no. I think they're t- they're, and that's kind of the point. Like people are like, oh, look at this. Meanwhile, that Celtics team, if you remember, sans Kyrie Irving, obviously, uh, Marcus Morris. Um, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Seme Oulude was playing some pretty big. Well, Marcus defense.
3: Morris, but Marcus Morris, though, to, to be fair, Marcus Morris was he was traded. To the Celtics was supposed to be the LeBron stopper, which there's none that exists. But that no, was well, the way I,
2: it, but it, well, yeah, but that's the th- but that's the thing. I mean, to, to sit there, I mean, like Le- LeBron's great. We all know that. You don't need to to <laughs> blatantly misrepresent and and really shamelessly too. I mean, that's just when when you go up there and not like not even like it, it sit there and try to pretend like the 2018 Celtics and and, and other people. It's like, oh, well, they're their no- number one defense back then too, John. You've watched more Celtics basketball than anyone I know. This 2022 team, on, on so many levels, is probably ten times as good of a team as it's what. That better. It, it, yeah. it's better. It's, it's better. better from it's a. Not ten times better, well, but yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I would, I would, say this, and and someone kind of summed it up. I, I can't remember. It was probably just someone on Twitter, and, and it kind of, it kind of made sense. There were there there have been times since the departure. Of, of the big three, you know, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, uh, that the Celtics team, they've either been very talented but lacked heart or mm-hmm. had a lot of heart but lacked talent. This team seems okay. to have both. And, and, and that's, I think, the biggest difference. Um, 2018, obviously, uh, I think we were still uh, uh, under the belief that Kyrie Irving was going to be a guy in Boston for a while. Um, I, I think we really saw that situation start to play out how we know it now then. Um, so that, that leads into it. Um, leadership was an issue on that team. Obviously Jason Tatum was a rookie. Um, he's, he's a, you know, again, you, you can make an argument. He's a, he's in that superstar level now, or at least he's getting there. I, you know, maybe, maybe a couple more big moments like he's had in this, this, these first two games is going to elevate him. Um, But, yeah, I mean, look, this Celtics team is obviously much better, in my opinion, than that 2018 team. And I I, I certainly watched a lot more basketball a few years ago. Um, So at least I have some reference point when it comes to that. But um, the
3: the reason the reason of the comparison is that the the Celtics have only lost one series in their history after being up two games to none. And that did happen in 2018. Oh, sure. sure. So now Brooklyn is in that situation. So what? basically what people are saying, and LeBron fans, which I am one of, and I was almost going to go there, but is that the difference between Brooklyn now and Cleveland four years ago is Cleveland had LeBron James who's a better player than Kevin Durant? I mean, I, I push well, back when people say Durant is good or better. He, LeBron James can do more things than Kevin oh, Durant. Oh, sure. I, if, if you were physical against LeBron James, he just plows through you. Kevin Durant kind of wilts in those moments because he's 190 pounds. But I, I also think that at least Durant has Kyrie Irving with him this year, whereas in 2018, LeBron's second-best player was Jeff Green. That, so, I mean, I think that's yeah. why they are giving him a lot of credit
2: for that comeback. Well, yeah, of course. But, but here's the thing, though, John, and – and this is what's fun. It's like, look, that that series went seven games, like, and, yep. and I think what's what's what it's morphed into, and this is the discussion or the narrative that I see being pushed. And like I said, this is such a small, or at least I feel like it's such a small segment of LeBron fans, but maybe 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 I'm wrong here. But like the idea of, oh, this would be different if Le- this was the 2018 cat. No, I don't think so. Like, I mean, because that that's that's where that's where the difference is, John. That's where I'm having trouble. Reconciling this comparison is that, you know, you're. No one's going to sit here and pretend. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, like, look, KD's been not good. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard Skip Bayless call him Kevin DuCant and I actually thought that was pretty funny. um <laughs> Which and that's his favorite player. Yeah, favorite and, and player. look, I mean, look, there, there's there's certainly a lot of. It, it, we talk about it in football all the time. Sometimes. You just lack something. There's something inherent in great athletes, championship caliber athletes, that just isn't there with everyone. And that's fine. I mean, it is what it is. That's 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 why if everyone was the same, then sports would be boring. I mean, it's just it is what it is. I mean, that's that's you know we have these differences for a reason, and they're entertaining for a reason. Um, the
3: you this, know who I've compared Kevin Durant to as a football player is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think and, they're and incredibly they're, gifted. There's two things that no one's ever seen, but there's some similarities. First of all, they're very thin-skinned. They're constantly bickering Mm -hmm. with people. um, And, you know, when they're on, they're a joy to watch. It's it's artistic. It's beautiful to watch. But there's just something a little bit off there. I don't think either really embraces being a leader. I think Durant's much better being the second guy. Mm -hmm. He could be the best player on the team, and, and he always is. But he was so comfortable in Golden State because it was Steph's team, and you had Klay Thompson, and you had Draymond Green, who's an alpha male. So Durant would just go play basketball. Now he's being asked to be a leader, and he's trying to lead a guy, Kyrie Irving, who's impossible to lead. So there's a lot more on the table for him. Kyrie, uh, look, and,
2: and look, I mean, let's not let's not pretend like Kyrie is, is blameless and all. He had a bad game. Bad game, too. Oh,
1: Maybe, maybe look. Maybe he should.
2: Maybe he should have started talking to the Celtics fans yeah, again. I mean, absolutely. but yep. but go back to what we talked about after Game One, and it's like you know we talked about how, you know, potentially, you know, this situation was going to impact Kyrie mentally, and like we talk about, you know, uh, uh, how great of a game he was. But what did I ask? How much of a factor, or how much did it get in his head? Because all that needed. Was for one or two possessions where Kyrie wasn't on for them to lose, and that's what happened in Game One. And now you come out in Game Two and you look disinterested, yep. and and just you know where was that killer instinct? And and that's you know and that's something that you kind of saw toward you know that's that's one of the reasons Celtics fans started to to turn on him was you know the perceived lack of effort there in that first season in the playoffs, right. obviously going and getting the nose job. During Game Seven, you know what I mean that that in hindsight was obviously a bad look, um, mm-hmm. you know, and everything that happened and transpired afterwards. But you know, the two of them, and look this you you have to give you have to give the Celtics defense credit. This is not yep. a situation where look, Kevin Durant had a couple better looks in Game Two, um, but I've never I've never seen a team. Uh, I, like Kevin Durant, the, the thing that's great about Kevin Durant is his his length, and he knows how to use it. So like he can mm-hmm. he can elevate and shoot over pretty much everyone in the league, and and even if they 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 put great team. the Celtics are making every shot difficult for him. There's mm-hmm. not a single shot that was really, you know, clean, pure, and and like I said, there was a couple decent looks that he just missed. So you know, yes, he had been playing poorly, but you know the Celtics are just playing great team defense. This isn't just them taking advantage of two you know, players that, you know, might just be on a little bit of a cold streak. Like, that was that's what you think about early on, John. It's like, okay, maybe they're just a little cold, and at any given moment, you know, it's going to be Kyrie Irving, and it's going to be Kevin Durant. And they can go on run, sure. But after two games, I'm looking at it more like, no, the the, the reason they're, they're shooting this poorly is because of the Celtics. So it, it makes me think, like, it's going to be a little bit harder for this Brooklyn team to dig themselves out of this hole than than what some people think. Because some people think they you know, Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant can just turn it on. Well, yeah, sure they can, but can they turn off the Celtics defense? I don't know about that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, the Celtics defense has been incredible. He he's crowded, he's rushed, he has nowhere to Mm -hmm. go, no room. Again, blame a little bit on the coaching staff of Brooklyn, because you know, try to get him some easy look, get him some screen set up, maybe get him down low so he can have his back to the basket, and then maybe hit cutters. Do something to, to try to get him out of his his doldrums John, right they, now. They had
2: a 17 point lead, and and oh yeah, and they were look, completely control that game. Yeah, uh, Charles Barkley at halftime said it, and there was he nailed it. I 100 percent, 100 percent, because like you, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you exactly exactly what play turned this whole game upside down the wide-open mm-hmm. dunk from Jason Tatum. Yep. There, was, there was a bad offensive possession by Brooklyn, turned the ball over, and for the most part, Jason Tatum was not having a good game at that point. But you went from having a 17-point lead heading into halftime to now it's only 10, and all of a sudden that dunk put the Celtics on a nice little run, it got the crowd going. For all intent, it, it got Jason Tatum going, too. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's <laughs> I'm sitting there watching like, yeah, this could be it right here, and then, like you said, Charles Barkley said it. You know, if they lose this game, they lost it there in the second half, and yep. that's exactly what happened. And um,
3: yeah, exactly. Yeah, seventeen could have been twenty-five instead. It was ten. Grant Williams was huge in the first half. Mm-hmm. Peyton Pritchard was huge in the fourth quarter. Tyce had a nice game. You got forty-two points from those three guys. That really helped you. And the way the Celtics playing defense against Durant reminds me a little bit of the way the Patriots played the Rams in Super Bowl thirty-six. Mm-hmm. They gave Marshall Clark no room to move. Like, as soon as he got out of his break, there was Willie McGinnis getting physical with him. It just disrupted all the timing of that St. Louis offense, and that's what the Celtics defense is doing against Brooklyn. Now, you know, obviously they play Saturday night. If they can get a split in Brooklyn, I think they'll be in great shape. Uh, You don't want to let them back in the series because those two players can get extremely hot and – start reeling off wins, but they're playing outstanding basketball right now, the Celtics. And, and this is all with even Jason Tatum struggling a little bit in terms of scoring, but he's doing a lot of other nice things. He's playing great defense mm-hmm. against Durant. And he's also, he had 10 assists on uh, yeah. Wednesday night. So he, he's, he's becoming a full-fledged superstar right before our eyes. Uh, doing everything on the court. And then you get Jalen Brown who has been outstanding. Al Horford's turning back the clock. Marcus Smart's understanding his role better. And then when those other players chip in like they did the other night, this is a tough team. And things are starting to open up for them because Chris Middleton – who the Celtics would most likely play uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in the next series may miss that series, and he's mm-hmm. Milwaukee's second best player. So things are starting to open up a little bit. And by then, you get Rob Williams back. You, you may be the favorite to represent the Eastern Conference right now, and it wouldn't be a surprise.
2: No, not not at all. And 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 to your point about guys like Pritchard and and those guys like elevating. This isn't and this isn't a situation where you know they they just got like th- this offense was was created like when when things weren't going great early on in this game like Tice. Can be a liability on defense. We've seen mm-hmm. that, um, but when things were shaky early on, and and the Celtics, and this is the one thing that that drives me crazy about basketball currently, and and how it can kind of get, you know, when you're down big, got to shoot the three pointer. Let's not chip away. Right. Let's just huck the ball up, and you know you can dig yourself a much bigger goal, a much bigger hole because of that. There was a couple key baskets. One was a really nice pass, for, I believe it was from Horford, where it looked like he was going to put yes. up the three, and then he just Tice was just underneath. But then there was a couple other where you know he picked up the rebound and just stopped the bleeding. And there, there right. was runs by the Nets, and and, and the, that that was big. And and some of that offense, a lot of that offense, was created by the ball movement of the of the Celtics too. I mean that's mm-hmm. and these are the things that you're look that I'm looking at uh, to to try to convince myself that. This is different from years past because, you know, there was a time where we saw this team go to -to uh, back-to-back Eastern Conference finals. Um, I don't think anyone thought that they were. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger,
1: for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've
0: gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
2: Yeah, I think they over. I, I think most people realized that they were overachieving at that point. Um, so it was nice, and even when they lost, it was like, "Oh, you know, that's a bummer," but you know, this team is far, far and away ahead. I, I, I'm I i do not think that's the case now. Like, I, I think this team is this is this is who they are. I mean, we saw so, we've seen it since January first. We've seen it in in situations. We brought it up after Monday's game. Like in in the last couple of years, they lose game one because they blew a seventeen point mm-hmm. lead. And then I'm sitting there watching like, wow. And I'm pretty sure whoever was was uh, commentating said the same thing. It's like, wow, this is the exact same situation from game one except reversed. Well, right. guess what? Right. The Celtics closed it out without really a, a threat. You know, it, it got a little bit close. But, you know, at, at, certainly the fourth quarter was no competition. That was just, I mean, that game was over. I mean, again, it, it there's a lot of great things to like about the Celtics team. It certainly gives you a lot of you know a lot of hope moving forward because like if you knock off Brooklyn and i know they're 7th seed but you know anyone pretending like they're a you know a 7th seed from it, people pretending like they're the Atlanta Hawks from like 2007 you know perennially right, no. like the 7th or 8th seed and, and and easy out no that's not who they are this is a team that obviously you know given the circumstances of had it played out differently they're probably one of the top 4 teams in the east so yeah. you go out you beat a Brooklyn team Regardless of if you have to play Philadelphia, I I, I think the Celtics play, feel pretty good about their history playing against a team like Philadelphia. Now it's a little bit different, obviously. No, no, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, James Harden's there, not uh, Ben Simmons, but yeah, you know, I think they feel pretty good about playing Philadelphia. Miami might be different, you know. That's a team where you're actually not only playing. I I think you're you're. I don't think there's a single coaching disadvantage for the Celtics except for when they play Miami. Does that make sense? Or at least yeah, the way Spolster things are going is, right now.
1: Yeah.
3: is probably the best coach in the sport, and that's a really well constructed team. So yeah, if you beat Brooklyn, um,
2: and, and really, really good struck. coach and really I'm gonna throw it really good coach in the sense that tactician, like as a tactician, like you can have oh, yeah. in, in the NBA, you can have a really good coach and just be a cheerleader. That's fine. Right. Yeah. But yeah. The, the the best coaches are the ones that know understand, and understand I think Eric Spolstra, <laughs> hell, just by virtue of actually outlasting LeBron James and the destination they were at kind of speaks sure. to his, his abilities as a head coach. So. And,
3: and, and Pat Riley runs the organization yeah, and of he, course. he runs it. It's, a, it's a, a great organization. You start with Riley, you go to Spolstra, they, they build a really good culture. You got really tough minded players like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. Then you've got your role players and you got an outstanding center and bam. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, first, you have to get this series done as quickly as possible because you don't want to yeah. get oh, into a yeah. game seven. Uh, and then if you, you beat them, you play Milwaukee. And again, Milwaukee probably won't have Chris Middleton. You'll know more in two weeks, but you still got Giannis, the best player in the sport. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Giannis, the difference between Giannis and Durant, you get physical with Giannis, that makes him even more angry, and he'll just continue to plow to the basket, yeah. uh, whereas Durant <laughs> doesn't really like that aspect of you, the game. You
2: get physical with him, his mom gets angry. <laughs> Let's just put oh, it that right. way. That's right, yes, yes,
3: yes, yes. Giannis, um, is, uh, Giannis takes care of business on his own. Yeah.
2: No, it, it it'll be interesting, and like I said, I mean, I I, I, I think that the, the Celtics have a lot of good things going for them, um, and and maybe 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 John, maybe I don't know. I mean, I'll ask you real quick. Brad Stevens, first year as an executive, A plus plus.
3: I I give him like an A minus, but I think he's done a fantastic job. Yeah, I, I, I give him credit to At the trade deadline, he made moves. Something Danny yeah. Ainge stopped doing. Well, you know and, that's and, a big thing.
2: And and obviously, I think based on some of the moves that he made, I I think it's. And this isn't to say that there was some friction or anything like that. I just think mm-hmm. you know maybe philo- you know philosophies were maybe a little bit different. Um, Brad Stevens clearly had a vision for how this team should be built that was a little bit different than Danny Ainge's, and I I yeah. think it's it's paying off because. You know, uh, clearly, the, the moves made, um, the coaching high, everything has been uh, pretty good. So, all right, we're going to have to go real quick, though. Uh, the presumed MVP uh, looks like he might be, uh, much like the NFL's MVP, <laughs> might be facing a first-round exit, um, which, again, should That's just nice. Yeah, well, That's I'm, nice. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. I, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Um, I, hey, I voted
3: for Giannis. Not that I have a vote, but I voted for Giannis. No, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. You're right,
2: I, though. I think yep. unfo- unfortunately, the uh, these exhausting narratives. Because now you have, the, you know, the the Celtics, Sixers fans are obviously anti-Jokic uh, because they believe yep. Bead was. It, it's just it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a big NBA Twitter nonsense. But um, that's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, he become the first reigning MVP to watch his team get eliminated by by virtue of a sweep. John in NBA history. That's crazy. That's pretty wild. Um, but all right. So, uh, we're going to close it out for the week. Plenty of stuff going on this weekend, I'm sure. And of course, uh, next week's going to be pretty jam packed. I'm sure we're going to get some extra episodes in as we get ready for the, uh, excuse me, the NFL draft, uh, Stanley cup playoffs are going to be, uh, getting going here soon. And of course, we're going to continue to talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, as we uh as we move forward so thank you everyone for tuning in give us a follow on twitter at fbc radio live at full press radio uh i'm at iglen31 and of course john is at uh at john sap 25 almost said my handle again so thank you everyone (laughs) we'll talk to you on monday
0: lucky land casino asking
1: people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
0: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office